Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. It's good to be with the Lord today. Go with me to the book of Proverbs chapter 4. Verse 23, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Pastor spoke of this recently, uh, but if I may, I just want to touch on this one verse of Scripture today. Proverbs 4 and 23, keep thy heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. For out of this heart of ours are the issues of life. And if I may, for the next little while, I just want to talk with us. And if if I could, with your permission, can I just preach? I, I don't want to have to tiptoe around. I don't want to be offensive, but I don't want to. I just want to say what's on my heart. And I want to talk with us about decisions that matter, decisions that matter. Father, I love you. I'm so eternally grateful for the privilege to be in this house, thankful for the opportunity to stand behind this holy desk. I'm asking, Lord, that your anointing rest upon me. I'm just a vessel, and I'm asking you to touch these lips of clay. I'm asking you to touch us as a congregation to open our hearts and our minds and insert this truth into us today, God. God, I'm here for purpose, I'm here by divine appointment, and I'm here for reasoning, Lord, and I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, and the whole house said amen, and before you're seated, turn to your neighbor and tell them something you got for Christmas. You may be seated. Some of you sit down right away. I take it you didn't get nothing. (laughs) Keep this heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The wise man tells us this morning to keep this heart. And the word that's translated issues from that verse of scripture comes from a Hebrew word that in the verb tense, the root of which means to cause or to bring out. So if I could take liberty this morning and translate this verse in our current English vernacular, it would say something like this, keep thy heart with all diligence for out of this heart are the becauses of life. The causes or the things of life comes 
out of this heart that we have in us. In this passage of Scripture, Solomon reveals to us one of the most profound principles in the Word of God. And this morning I'm very aware and I acknowledge that it is true that in life there are things that, that just are. Sometimes things happen, and if you and I were to walk out of this building today and, and we went to Brother Everett's truck and he had a flat tire, we could blame it on the devil, we could say that hell is rising up against it, but more often than not, if we roll that question around in our mind, the reason he has a flat tire more often than not is because he's run over a nail or he's hit something in the road that his, has imputed the integrity of that tire. It's just life. It's just life. The Bible says that some time and chance happen to all. The rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. These are these you there are these unique situations in our life, and that's exactly what they are. They're just L I F E. There is no rhyme, there is no reason. It just happens. But much, if not most of our life, much of the issues, much of the causes of our life emanate out of our heart and they come from decisions that we make at some point which creates a chain of events that sets them into motion. It may take days, it may take months, it may take years to produce its outcome, but we make decisions every day and we do not realize the everlasting, the eternal effect that they will have on our life. And the problem with my generation uh, and the generation that is coming behind me, we have lost that quality and that aspect that those that have gone on before us and some of those that are here today, and I say that respectfully, but we've lost that quality, that we've lost that initiative to have enough understanding of what it means about our decisions. We, we don't understand the importance that every decision counts in our life. Every decision we make, it, it, it really matters. This is a generation that I live in that if, we feel, if it feels good, we just do it. Uh, we go the easy way, the quick way, the least costly way. Uh, we do this with little regard for the thoughts and the mind of God. We do this, we make these decisions with little regard for the thoughts of ignoring divine principle. Micah speaks to his generation in the book, in his book in chapter 4 and verse 12, he says, but they know not the thoughts of the Lord, neither understand they his counsel, for he shall gather them as sheaves into the floor. Solomon admonished Israel at one point of so many things that they needed to accumulate, that they needed to get. He said, you need to get this, you need to get that, you, uh, you need to get knowledge. But he said, above all else, we've we got to get some understanding. We've got to get some understanding. With all of our getting, get some understanding. We've got to realize that it is not enough, ladies and gentlemen, to give mental assent to the truth of God's word. It's not enough to give mental assent to the laws of God. At some point, 
We've got to develop an understanding. It's not enough to be here today. Thank you for being here, but it's not enough just to show up. It's not enough just to show up on Wednesday night and put a check by your name. When we come through that door, we've got to clear our mind and our heart and stand up and say to the enemy for the next few minutes, I'm going to gain an understanding of what's being said behind this pulpit and what the word of God. That's what David was trying to say when he says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The word that is translated hid there in that verse of scripture comes from a Hebrew word which means to oversee or care for. So what David is saying is, is God, not only have I memorized the scripture, but I've allowed it to to insinuate itself in my heart in such a way that you become the caretaker and the overseer of everything in my life, the becauses, the issues. I've submitted my decisions to the authority of God. In other words, God, I want you and your word ruling my life. I want you and your word ruling my family. I want you and your word ruling my job. I want you and your word ruling my relationship with my brothers and sisters. Everything that I do, God, I want your word to rule and reign in my life. The problem is that so many times we overestimate ourselves and we overestimate our wisdom and Truth of the matter is we overestimate our spirituality. And the danger of that is the wise man said, every way of a man is right in his own eyes. Proverbs 3 and 7 says, Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. We are a generation of people that if we're not careful, we we know how to be Pentecostal. We, We know when to stand up. We know when to sit down. We know when to shout hallelujah. We know when to dance around. Uh, We know what to have in our home, what not to have in our home. We know where to go. We know where not to go. But if if we're not careful, the devil will convince us that we've reached this this, uh, point of maturity in God that we don't... We don't need this Wednesday night light for living anymore. We're, we, we're at a place that I don't require that. I, I don't need biblical truths teached in my life. I don't need the standards of apostolic holiness preached in my life. I understand that and I, I know that. There's no need for me to hear this again. But can I tell you today, we need it. We need it more often than we get it. Uh, there are some things in our lives, there's some things in my life that I may not be aware of, that are only going to be revealed out of the preached word of God that comes from behind this desk. That's where conviction rises up. That's where some things that might be rooted deep that we're not aware of, they, they come to the surface when something is, is taught about it. I need a check, and a, if I may say this, I need a check and balance system in my life, and that's why I need a shepherd. That's why I need a pastor, somebody that I'm accountable to. Isaiah said in chapter 5 and 21, Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe, you better hold up. You better be careful. You better wait a minute. Woe, Isaiah saying. And if we're not careful because of an inflated sense of self and self-worth, we too will carelessly make decisions that are far more reaching than we realize. We will make decisions in moments of time that will not only affect that day, 
but they'll affect that week, that month, that year, and have the potential to affect our entire life. And we're going to have to live with that situation forever because of a, situ- because of a situation that we made a decision that we didn't think really, really mattered. Paul told the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 11 and 3, but I fear less by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. The word that's translated in this scripture is a Greek word, the word any, and what any means to you or I would be uh, blurry or hazy or unclear. Paul Paul is saying here that sometimes we think the devil is so specific, but sometimes he comes at us in a way we don't see. Uh, You know, the scripture says, be sober, be vigilant. We have an adversary, the devil, a roaring lion, walks to and fro seeking whom he may devour. So, so many times in our life, we, we build this wall. We build this wall and I'm, I'm, I'm guarding against, I want to I build this up in my life and I want to guard against fornication. I, I, I want to guard against sin. I, I want to guard against alcohol. I want to guard against drug, anything that may become a snare in my life. I want to build up this wall and protect myself. And I'm not discounting that today. We need that today. But while we're working so diligently and so hard on this list of sins that we've created, See, the devil comes in the back door and he begins to, may I submit to you this morning that he, he's just as content and happy to devour you and I with an offended spirit. He, he, he's just intent as having us well up and be, be upset or be mad about something in the church, something that will create bitterness in our heart. And I, I don't have to tell you today, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but bitterness will eat you up. It will eat you up. I, I heard a, uh, listened to a message a while back and there was an elder pastor and he, he was at a meeting and he was talking to a, a younger pastor and the younger pastor was expressing to him a situation, a dilemma that he had in the church and as he was telling the elder this, he, he was almost become angry, almost violent. And the elder calmed him down and said, whoa, whoa, pastor. He said, uh, what I think part of the problem is in this situation is, is you're, you're a little bit bitter. And he says, well, maybe I am a little bit bitter. And the elder said, whoa, whoa, you, you, you don't want to say that. That's like saying you're a little bit pregnant. I mean, ladies, help me. It, it starts out as just a, a little bump that you hardly notice. But as time goes on, it's, it's obvious to anybody, and bitterness is the same way. It will take root, and it will begin to grow in us, and before long it's something that we can't contain and something we can't control, and it will consume our lives. So Paul is saying here, what he's saying, he says, I've, I'm worried, I fear that by something hazy or something indistinct or something unclear or an indefinite mean while you're busy worrying about this list of sins that you're trying to to stay away from the devil he slips in our life with an offended spirit and and he insinuates bitterness into your heart and it, it, it can be so simple you know I can go home today and tell my wife brother Rayleigh you know he walked by me today and he didn't even speak next week I come back 
I hear him over here talking to Brother Junior about men that put too much hairspray in their hair. I come back the next week. I hear Brother Riley talking to somebody else, and I heard him say golf was for sissies. And the next thing you know, I'm in the parking lot waiting to clothesline him when he comes out of his car. Now, we're laughing. We're We're laughing. But I'm telling you right now, flat-footed here today, that is just how simple some of the things happen that we let elevate and get in our spirit and the devil will rock us to and fro. Jesus warned us of this in Matthew 23 and 12 and and it's so sad when we allow that to happen because we get this self-righteous feeling. If we're not careful, we become arrogant and proud. Who, Who does he think he is? not speaking to me. Who does he think he is treating me like that? But Jesus says in 23 and 12, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, but he that will humble. That's a hard thing to do sometimes. But Jesus said if we'll humble, we're going to be exalted. Paul told the Galatians church in chapter 6 and verse 7, Don't be not deceived. God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. You and I are here today in this building. And if, if we're not careful today, tomorrow, uh, next week, next month, this coming year, we're going to be faced with some situations in our life. We're going to be faced and pitted against some obstacles and we're going to have to make some decisions. And we have no idea how much those decisions are really going to matter. We have no idea, ladies and gentlemen, how much they're going to affect us and our life and our family and our church. An illustration that is so relevant to what I'm talking about today is found in the book of Genesis chapter 39. We all know the story of Joseph. He is, without a doubt, his father's favorite. He has his coat of many colors. and He's sent to locate his brothers and to check on them. And he finds them. And we, we, we know how they tore his coat from him, threw him in a pit. And, and then this God-sent caravan comes along of, of, of traders. And thank God for Reuben who who intervened, and Joseph at a young age is faced with so many difficulties. He's been portrayed by his brothers. He knows in his heart that they really want to kill him. I mean, ask yourself the question today. Put, your, put, your, put yourself in his shoes. What would it feel like to know that a sibling wants to kill you? Joseph is on this caravan. He's carted off to Egypt, placed on this auction block, and Here he's sold as a slave to Potiphar. But because of the favor of God, and also, might I mind you, because of the integrity of Joseph and his hard work and his diligence and his faithfulness to God, he's elevated. He starts out at the bottom of the totem pole. And before long, he's ruling this house. And there's been a long series of hurt in his short life. He's been neglected. He's been rejected. He's been cast away like yesterday's trash by his own brothers. 
And here he stands in this position of influence, this position of trust, and he has the ability to make decisions. Genesis 39 and 7, and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master, what if not what is with me in the house? He hath committed all that he hath to my hand. And so Joseph decided that he was going to remain morally pure. Joseph said, I, I'm not going to succumb to this temptation. I, I'm not going to be snared into this trap by this enemy. It would have been very easy, Brother Gibson, for him to have an offended spirit. It would have been very easy for him to say, God, all you've put me through, all that I've had to endure, and I've stayed faithful, I believe I deserve a little variance in my life. Maybe I deserve just one pass. Maybe for one time, God, you could turn your head and allow me this. But Joseph said, no, 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 no. I'm going to stay faithful to the God who's carried me. I'm going to stay faithful to the God who's delivered me. And he made decision, a decision to stay morally pure. And can I tell you today, it was a decision that really mattered. Because in making that decision, Joseph did not know with that decision that he was also deciding he's going to prison. With that decision, he was also deciding that he was going to meet the Pharaoh's butler and interpret a dream for him. With that decision to say no to that woman that day, he was deciding that he would stand before Pharaoh and interpret his dream. With that one single decision that day, he was deciding that he would be the governor of Egypt. That single decision that day that seemed so significant would be the deciding factor that would enable him to save his family, a family that neglected him, rejected him, turned their backs on him. In all right, all reality, Joseph had every right to be bitter, but he held that position of power. Joseph made a decision that day in that room with that woman when he said no. No, I won't do this. He did not realize that he was also making a decision to pave the way for Jesus Christ to come. I'm talking about decisions that matter. But I want to tell you what Joseph did know is that he had made God the overseer, the caretaker of his life. And he was going to make decisions based on his relationship with God. I know this is an adult class and I'll be careful, but gentlemen, let me speak to you for just a minute and hear me. It's more than a single decision. Heaven forbid if you and I are faced tomorrow with that same decision that Joseph was. Heaven forbid that. But if we are, if I am, and I say no, I will not succumb to this. I will not fall prey to what this enemy is trying to do to me. I'm saying no. I'm making a decision to say no to that, but I'm making a decision to say yes 
to this young lady. I've made a covenant with her. I'm making a decision with my family to say yes because they've put some trust in me. They have respect for me and I'm going to lose all of that with one decision. I'm saying yes, not knowing it at the time, but when I say no to that situation, I'm saying yes to this church because you have put some trust in me. We have confidence in each other. I'm saying yes to him. I'm saying yes to God. It really really matters when we make decisions life is full of pitfalls and if you're if you have any age on you at all you're, you you've probably had your fair share a life that has its share of offensive situation and circumstances jesus said it's coming and it cannot be but that offensive situations will come and i'm sorry this morning But our lives will come in contact with people that are offensive. There will be situations in life that are offensive. There will be people that push themselves into our lives that are offensive. There will be be people and offenses and things that we will have to walk to. We can't avoid it. Jesus said they're coming and we're going to have to deal with them. Hurtful situations, yes. And can I tell you this morning... All of this offense, it can happen right here in the church. It's it's not excluded outside of these walls. But it's then I can decide. I'm not going to be offended, Brother Riley, because you didn't speak to me. I'm not going to be offended because you said golf was for sissies. I can make that decision. I can decide. This is a dangerous hour. We're living in as a church. We're seeing it everywhere across the nation, across the world. Ministries from, from head ministry all the, way to, all the way down to the cleaning lady. Everywhere we look, people are allowing an offended spirit to get on them. And they think on this thing and they focus on this thing and they dwell on this thing. And it eats them up ministries, lifelong Sunday school teachers, ushers that have been with the church for years, faithful saints, people that have been dedicated to the kingdom of God their entire life. One small offended spirit and their whole life is derailed. And they fall into this snare and this trap. I'm talking about this morning a decision that really matters. Paul said there are dangerous hours. And these are dangerous. Many areas, they're more dangerous than our, our lack of ability. You know, one of the hardest things for us to do, and it's just human nature, but one of the hardest things for us to do is to control our tongue. James talked about it in 3 and 6. He said, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body. And if I could respectfully put behind that comma of whole body, it will defile your family. It will defile your church. It will defile your relationship with God. We've got to open every day with prayer. I must open every day with prayer with God. Help me control my tongue. God, guard my mouth. Titus 3 and 2, speak evil of no man. That's a decision, Brother Junior. I can decide not to speak evil of you. It's a decision we make. The psalmist said in 34 and 13, keep your tongue from evil 
and my lips from speaking guile. That is a decision not to talk evil. I make a decision when I walk away from that conversation at work that I have no business being a part of. I make a decision when I when I respectfully tell someone I'm not listening to this and I'm not talking about this. I make a decision when I talk, when I say no, I'm not going to talk about my brothers and sisters or speak ill of anybody. Proverbs 13 and 3, whosoever keeps his mouth keeps his life. That's a decision. I say this respectfully, but keeping our mouth shut is a decision. When Saul was the king of Israel, we all know the story. Goliath, he stands in the valley and he's pounding on his chest, send me a man. David, he puts on Saul's armor and that doesn't work. He goes with what he knows best and he takes those five smooth stones. He slays the giant. He decapitates him. All of Israel is relishing in this victory. What a great day for God's people. They return back to the city and we all know the story. They begin to chant those songs. David is, Saul has slayed his thousands and David his ten thousands. And in that moment, in that time, Saul makes the very mistake that Paul warns us of, that we are not to compare or measure ourselves with anybody. I'm not here today in competition with you, Pastor. Brother Gibson, I'm not here today in competition with you. I, 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 I'm not here today, Tim, just because you can sing better than me. I'm, I'm not here today. It don't matter. I'm not here in competition today. I, I, I'm not in competition with someone that can play the guitar better than I can do. That's not what it's about. But I am in competition with the devil. I am in competition with the devil. And I didn't come here to please anybody but Jesus. That's what I want to come to the house floor. And amen. And let 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 me give us let let me give us this news flash when we come through that door. It ain't about me. And it ain't about you. Contrary to what we sometimes think, it's all about him and what we can offer up to the kingdom. Saul, he hears these songs and he lets this competitive spirit get into his heart about David. And because he makes the decision to become offended, he makes many other decisions that he has no idea he's making. Because he made a decision to become bitter and develop hatred, he made it a decision that would ultimately cause a horrible death for his sons. He made a decision that his daughter, who was the wife of David, would be barren for the rest of the days of her life. With that bitterness, with that offended spirit from those songs that they chanted, Saul made a decision that would rip the kingdom from out of his hands. And on that very day when they chanted those songs and Saul made that decision, he also made a decision that one day his head would be on a pole. Ladies and gentlemen, this morning, and I I, I want to just reemphasize, it really, really matters the decisions that we make in our life. If you look at the problems in the world, and I'll include the church, if you look at the problems in the church, you're going to find envy. You're going to find jealousy. 
there will be strife, there will be conflict, and there will be bitterness. All throughout the history of the church, there's been this. And if we have the ability, or if we had the ability to trace it back this morning, we would find that most all of these problems started with a little decision. A decision that someone didn't think would matter. Perhaps it was small and insignificant, but it was a decision that mattered nonetheless. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 2, we're instructed how we are to handle offended spirits and bitterness. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 10 says, To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgive anything to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it, the person of Christ. Listen to verse 11. Lest Satan should get an advantage. Lest Satan should get an advantage. So I'm in competition with the devil today. And I don't want him to get no advantage on me. So I can't let this offended spirit, this bitterness get on me. I've got to forgive somebody. I've got to get over some things. Unforgiveness will always, unforgiveness will always give the devil the upper hand. Forgiveness is a decision and not to forgive is a decision. Decisions that are relative to forgiveness or unforgiveness are almost always far more reaching than they are simply at that moment of time. When we choose to forgive, we choose to reestablish that relationship that God can rebuild. But when we don't forgive, wedges are driven not just between me and the person I refuse to forgive, but it's going to have an effect on my family. It will eventually have an effect on my church family. It will take over and it will consume our life. When we find ourselves dealing with this offended spirit or this wounded spirit, we we better, we must keep our heart with diligence. Because if we're not careful, we're going to make a decision that will matter far more than we have any idea. Ephesians 4 and 31 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Now that is a short verse, but there's a whole lot said in it. And there's a whole lot you have to do if you obey that verse. Let all bitterness, that's everything, let all wrath and anger and clamor and evil speak and put it away. Put it away. That is a decision that I can make and decide right now. I'm not letting myself get wrapped up in bitterness. I'm not letting myself get wrapped up in evil speaking. I can decide if or not I will be wounded. I can decide that I will not open a door for bitterness so it can walk through. I, I, I don't know how far-reaching this decision may be right now, but I do know this. I'm guarding my heart, and I'm making a decision based on God, who is the overseer of my life. Keep thy heart, because out of it are the issues, or if I may say the becauses of life. Please hear this. Please hear this. It is a force of nature It is a physical law that every action has an equal and 
opposite reaction, even in the spirit realm. And the sad thing is, is that I am in absolute control of my actions, but I have no control over the reaction to my actions. In other words, I have control, Pastor, over how I speak to you. I have control over how I treat you. But if you're offended, if I say something offended, I have no control how how you react to me. So it matters how we treat people. So in turn, we don't put them in a situation where they have to battle a wounded spirit. It's a decision that matters. You know, as a boy growing up in church, I've listened to, heard thousands and thousands of messages preached. The word of God planted in my heart. The truth of God in my heart, knowing right from wrong. When I walked away from God at the age of 16, I began to make decisions in my life. Began to partake in some things that I had no business partaking in. God in His grace and His mercy has allowed me to come back to the fold and I'm so grateful for that today. He's been good to me. He's blessed me. Look where I have the privilege to be today. I made some decisions, Brother Chris, in those days that I'm dealing with now. 15 years ago, 20 years ago, I made decisions that are affecting my life today that I have to deal with every day. I've got a good friend of mine that made a decision when we were teenagers for just a one-night stand. And he was affected the rest of his life from the child that he bore from that decision. We know a young lady that we was acquainted to who had everything going for her. She made a decision one night to try something. Here, try this. It it, it won't hurt. One time won't hurt. It'll make you feel good. And from that one decision till this very day, she strung out, has lost total control of her life over one decision. It matters. We don't we don't have any children yet, so I may not be qualified to say this, but but please allow me. Parents, we we can't muzzle him or this pulpit. We need the truth of God preached without dancing around, without sugarcoating. Without covering it up with something pretty to make it look good. If your children go home and they're convicted, I'm not saying this to to pat mine or Jennifer's back, but I have two nephews and a niece that usually sit on this front row. They're on vacation. There have been times where they've asked questions about something he's preached that 
may seem a little strong. It stirred something up in them. It convicted them. Now, it would be easy to say, well, that's for the adults. Don't, don't, pastor's talking to the adults. You don't worry about that right now. No, 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 no. If they feel that in their spirit, don't you, don't you cover it up with some ice and water. Don't you try to cool it off. But you better get the Holy Ghost fire and pour some gas on it and see if you can increase that in their life. It matters. It matters. Don't, don't be offended. I promise you this morning, it will tear you apart. For heaven's sake, for heaven's sake, we can't walk out of this building offended and talk about something that was said behind this desk that pricked our spirit. I can, I can remember growing up in that block building over there in that church. And I remember some things, but I mostly rely on my Uncle Danny. He has a great memory. He, he tells me a lot of stories. And, and I say this with the utmost respect to my great-grandfather, Brother Tumman. But those of you, there's a few of you in here that, that, that sat under Brother Tumman. And he didn't cut the cookie. Uncle Danny tells of a story of them two double doors back there, and there was a, a small crack you could see daylight through. Boys out there talking, carrying on while Brother Tumman's preaching. He walks off the platform, goes to the door, and said, You've got two places to go. You can go up that road, or you can get in here and sit down and shut up. Now, it'd be easy to get offended over that. We had church on Saturday night. Didn't, wasn't no question whether he was going to church or not. We went to church. Another thing there wasn't no question of is what we was doing after church. The adults was going to play Uno or aggravation and eat pizza or something. Kids had to play another room, but like kids are, we're always listening. Wanted to be in the conversation. Brother Donnie, I can remember, and I, I'm not trying to elevate my mother or my father because I have no idea about what might have been said behind closed doors. I'm just telling you what I heard. I can remember individuals may say, well, Brother Tumman, he, he shouldn't have done that. that, that wasn't, or, or even Brother Newbern. Brother Newbern, he, he, he that, that, that what? And I can remember on several occasions my father would kind of quell that and say, yeah, that's, that's no big deal. Don't, don't, don't worry about that. And I never heard my father or mother put their mouth on the man of God. I had no idea at that point in my life how much that would mean. But had they had done so, what if I'd have carried that spirit in me? What if I'd have grew up with hatred and bitterness toward him and, and refuse, refuse to follow the teachings that come behind this desk? Not only would that affect me, it would affect her. I'm telling you, it matters the decisions we make. It really, really matters. You see, when we make a decision to be offended, we also make decisions to open the door for bitterness to step in. And when that bitterness begins to grow in us, it 
grows in our family and it can cause those that are coming under us to develop a hate for the church and have absolutely no respect for the ministry. Musicians, I've found the runway, so if, if you will. Growing up as a boy, we, we always, I love dogs. We always had, we always had a dog. And I was always very fond as a child of the, the Australian blue healer breed of dogs. So when I become about 18 and could get my own dog, that's what I got. And since then, I've always had a blue healer, sometimes two or three. They've always just been dogs that were given to me or a friend or good dogs, but, but not high pedigree dogs, if you know what I mean. Several years ago, Adrian and Melissa were up in Tennessee, and there's a gentleman that one of the things he does is he raises these Australian blue healers. He does it for a living, and the pedigree of these dogs are impeccable. And they know how much I love them, and they, they brought me home one as a gift. And I mean, his papers would reach the floor. This, this was a dog of all dogs. And I began to raise this dog, and me and him were like this. I'd come home from work, and Lord, he'd meet me at the truck, and we'd play and play. And as he began to get older, I'd come home one day, and as usual, he was at the truck waiting on me. And we rolled around there in the grass and played. And Brother Boyd, he bit me on the arm. Barely, barely broke the skin, but, but he did bite me. I shook that off, you know. Well, I, in my mind, I needed to make the decision, Brother Donnie. I knew what I needed. I needed to find him a new home. But I let that go. Time went on. and I come home one day and we play it and he runs to the porch and it's a little elevated. And as I get to the porch, I reach out to pet him on the side of the head and he snaps at my face barely grazes the bridge of my nose and I knew I needed to make a decision but I didn't some time passed and I come home one afternoon and I could hear a terrifying scream and crying coming from inside of our house that's how loud it was I rushed inside and Jennifer's there with Ethan and she's got a rag over his face and there's blood everywhere. That dog had bit him and somehow got his mouth inside his and bit a hole through his tongue and bit a hole through his cheek. Barely. Barely. It's high on his cheek. It barely missed his eye. My point is this morning, Every day when he comes to see us or we go see him, I see that little scar. It's scrolled up and it's healed and he was fine. He can lift his tongue and I can see that scar and it reminds me of a decision that I should have made. And if I may say this sometimes, when there's people under the sound of my voice today, that's got some dogs in their life, if I may say that, that we need to find a new home for. 
They've bit us once or twice. And if we don't get a hold of it and do something about it, it's going to take over our life and it's going to eat us up. As as our praise team comes and as we stand across this house, I, I challenge and I admonish us today. We are a church that it has been said so many times from behind this desk. We are a church that God has a divine hand upon. God is trying to do something. He is doing something in this church. We stand flat-footed and we proclaim we will take you how you come. Come one, come all. And we've got to find it in ourselves to really stand up to that and obey that. We, we, we cannot, we will not grow being offensive people. This church will not grow being offensive people. I ask God to guard our heart as we lift our hands. Father, I thank you for the spirit of the Holy Ghost that I have felt in this house today, Lord. I thank you for your power in my life and I want you to be the overseer and the caretaker of my life today. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.